Welcome to Drinking Bros, presented by BlackRifleCoffee.com. Put down the water and grab a fucking drink. drink, 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 drink. Welcome to Drinking Bros, kids. We have an unbelievably special guest tonight, an icon, a legend, one of the best to ever do it, in my opinion, talking about head coach Bobby Knight. Um, Boy, I I can't believe he decided to do the show. Um, I'm going to give you a little bit of background of of how this happened and why before we, we hop into the interview. But uh, I was doing episode 200 of Ross Patterson Revolution. He's been one of my all-time favorite sports figures there is. And I reached out to him maybe, I don't know, four or five months ago to see if he would possibly sit down and do an interview. To my chagrin, his agent got back to me and said, hey, uh, Bobby might consider doing an interview. Uh, There's a few things he wants to know and what you're going to ask and all that stuff. Typically... When guests come on the show on Drinking Bros. Ross Patterson Revolution, we don't we don't give them questions in advance. Uh, we want it to seem fresh and real and natural, and and whatever happens happens. Uh, in this case, Bobby Knight has been thrown under the bus on numerous occasions for uh, choking a kid. And if you look at the 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 video, uh, to me, he really wasn't choking the kid. It was just today's society of becoming a fucking pussy. And uh, he was a hard-nosed coach for sure. But the heat that he took for, you know, grabbing this kid by the neck uh, during, during practice, in my opinion, was a little too much. It was a little too harsh. And in Bobby's opinion, when you hear the interview, same with him. Uh, he's also well-known for, for throwing a chair across the floor uh, after getting a technical foul called against him. Um, these two things I bring up for, for, for one reason before we get into this episode I decided not to talk about them tonight. I decided not to ask him tonight. Those questions were not off limits. Um, however, some were uh, that were kind of offbeat, kind of odd. Uh, and I understand maybe why he didn't want to, to talk about those things. That will have to be saved for another episode. Uh, but tonight, we're going to talk to the man himself, Bobby Knight. I, I want to give you a, a, a tad bit of background on, on how I even potentially landed this interview uh one bobby knight is a huge trump supporter uh, obviously m- the majority 99 percent of uh everybody who listens to drinking bros is also a trump supporter i voted for trump he voted for trump i told him and his agent that beforehand so he wasn't going to be bombarded with you know why were you out stumping for trump in indiana because he did a lot of speeches for trump on the campaign trail in indiana uh two he knows that we have a lot of military listeners. Um, I know that he was the coach of West Point. However, I, I did not know that he actually enlisted um, into the Army in order to become the coach of West Point. Uh, that, that was a little shocking to me. Uh, and then last but not least, he, for undergrad, went to Ohio State University. Uh, I went to Ohio State. Obviously, I've said that numerous times on the show. And that played a big part of, hey, man, you're an alumni. I'm an alumni. We went to the same school together, all agreed to do this interview. He doesn't do very many interviews. Uh, the last time I, that I, I think that I can remember him being on an interview was maybe David Letterman. 
probably for the fact of everybody's kind of an asshole to him and, and wants to bring up the choking issue and all the other shit. And it's like, you know, again, to the Drinking Bros audience, I, to me, if you watch the footage, it's just, you know, a kid being a pussy. That's all it is. Uh, he, he was a great man and, and a great coach while he was at Indiana. And I don't think that he should have been fired for that, nor does he, obviously. And you'll hear that in this interview. Um, the reason I wanted to preface all this stuff before we hop into the interview is for the fact of, hey, man, why are you bringing up Ohio State uh, maybe four or five times? That's why. Uh, he kind of gave me a nod and a wink wink before we started and said, hey, I'd really love to talk about my alma mater. Um, and uh, I know, you know, you went to school there and I hope you don't mind asking some more of those questions. So so I did. But I also said, look, I, I want to know about your life. I want to know about you as a person. Uh, if Bobby Knight passes away tomorrow, I want to the world to be left with at least one story, one interview of who you are, where you came from, why you got started, and what did you enjoy in this life? Rather than focus on the negative, which every other fucking media outlet does, I didn't want to do that. Um, so I hope you guys find this, this episode as fascinating as I did. He's uh, a, a great man. And, uh, again, one of the, the finest coaches we've ever had in college sports history. As you know, though, we've, we've got some sponsors who pay for this whole stink wagon to be on the air. First and foremost, we're talking about BlackRifleCoffee.com. Black Rifle Coffee is a premium roast-to-order coffee. What that means is they make it fresh in the warehouse. They bag it up. Ship it out the door three days later. So when you get it, it's fresh. It's not rebagged. Sometimes on the internet, you're gonna you're gonna see a lot of coffee companies popping up, and you're like, man, I don't understand. I know those dudes. How did they end up having a coffee company this fast or quickly? A lot of people are just rebagging shitty beans. Not Black Rifle Coffee. I can tell you this: Evan Hafer lives and dies by this shit, and uh, he's he is he takes it really seriously. Um, like every single cup and bag and all that stuff, like. Dude, the, the QC and the quality control that goes behind it, uh, he really goes all out. Uh, so please go to BlackRifleCoffee.com um, and uh, use the, the one-time promo code of Drinking Bros for 20% off. Join the Coffee Club of the Month Club. That's, that's the best deal there is. Uh, that shit just shows up at your doorstep on the same date of every single month. Again, one-time promo code Drinking Bros, 20% off, and their, their apparel is second to none. Next up, we've got When Darkness Falls. He doesn't catch it. Ooh, you know that's my new opus. You know it is my new masterpiece. It is now available for pre-sale. Talking about pre-sales, kids. Um, my dream, my one dying dream left in this life is to be a New York Times bestselling author. I can't do that unless these pre-sales are massive. I just, I just can't. Um, a lot of... A lot of people don't know about the New York Times bestseller list is it's it's judged on weeks. So you have one week and then boom, the next week, once it's out, it starts over again. So those amount of copies that you tally up, your best shot at it is opening week because all of the pre-sales count for opening week of your sales of the book. That's how all these people typically get on the New York Times bestseller list. Um, I've never asked you guys to personally buy something of mine. Just like, Hey, I really, really want you to buy this, but this time I am, um, I, it would mean the world to me if you could just go out and just pre-order this book. It's, it's 23 bucks. And, uh, 
I, I could be a New York Times bestselling author. It would help get Matt Best book out faster, um, and it would help all of us, man. Uh, that prestige and cachet that goes along with being a New York Times bestseller is something that is irreplaceable and would really help the, the show. It would really help us, um, and it would show how strong the drinking bros are and how strong the podcast is. And uh, it, look, it helps with getting guests too, man. Um, you know, getting somebody like Bobby Knights uh, or, or some of your other favorites, like it'll be more possible the more hits we have. So please go out and pre-order When Darkness Falls, He Doesn't Catch It. I can promise you it's crazier than the last one. You know, it's a sequel to A Night She Cries While He Rides His Steed. Go get that shit now, please. Uh, I really, really appreciate it. Next up, we've got StrikeForceEnergy.com. Strikeforce Energy has got four amazing flavors. Talking about a ridge, talking about the lemon, talking about the orange, talking about make America grape again. Yeah, yes. Um, we had a we had a live show over the weekend in Fort Bragg and uh, threw out a lot of Strikeforce, a lot of happy people, uh, a lot of a lot of happy people because uh, Tito's was also a sponsor, and that Strikeforce and Tito's goes together like magic. It's summertime, kids. Uh, it's time for, for, for some Stradkas, a little strike force and vodka. Can't recommend it enough. You don't need the cans. You don't need the expense of Red Bull or anything else. You can kick the can and just go to strikeforceenergy.com. They get a 10-pack, 40-pack, 750-milliliter bottle that rests on your bar top or countertop, and you can just boom, boom, pop a couple squirts in and fucking go. Go to strikeforceenergy.com. They ship everywhere in the entire world. Use the promo code DRINKINGBROS for 20% off, and that's good every time. Oh, yeah, every time. Next up, we've got ghostbed.com. Sleep so good, it's scary. Uh, their company's getting scary. Scary in a great way. Uh, they're coming up with new products that I, I didn't even know could possibly be invented by scientists. Uh, they've got a, a mattress that is like 15 degrees cooler. It's called a cooling mattress. It's about 15 degrees cooler than the rest of your house and uh, cools down your fucking body. I can't wait to get this goddamn thing in my house. Um, I just ordered it, and I'm super amped about it. And they got cooling sheets now as well, as well as a Craftmatic adjustable bed with remote controls, USB built-in lights, all that shit. And again, it's just like the mattress. When you order the mattress, when you when you order the Craftmatic adjustable thing, that just shows up to your house, and boom, you can you can plug it in, and that's it. No assembly required. Ghostbed's doing this shit right. I'm a big fan of them. I, the mattresses we all have already. I don't have the Craftmatic yet, and I don't have the cooling sheets, but goddamn, I'm going to get them. Go to ghostbed.com forward slash drinking bros, or type in the promo code drinking bros. Uh, usually you get $50 off a mattress and a free pillow, but they're also giving away the best deals they have. So I think like the Craftmatics are like three or $400 off if you use the promo code drinking bros. Either way, go to their landing page, ghostbed.com forward slash drinking bros hit them up let them know that you you use them and that you love them uh they're huge supporters of, of the veteran community can't thank ghostbed.com enough uh for being a sponsor on our show for over a year next up we've got grill your ass off oh boy this is a new fave of mine a new fan fave of mine grill your ass off their their beef jerky oh they have knocked it out of the park uh, get the all-American pack. That's all. That's all four in one. I think it's like twenty-five bucks. Holy shit! I tore that. I tore through that. In, in, I think in a matter of like two days, maybe three days. 
and I've already reordered some. Uh, and yes, I use I use my own promo code. I don't I don't really give a shit. We use promo code Drinking Bros for fifteen percent off. Uh, that's good if you're just snacking. You know, say you're on a diet, uh, low carbs, whatever it is, man. You're just snacking around the house like shit. They have that. That is some of the best beef jerky I've ever had. I know they sold out of their last batch, but they've made a new one. It's up and at them. Uh, and also their seasoning uh, is is incredible. They're uh, 100% veteran owned. So if you're gonna buy chicken or steak seasoning or habanero, uh, do it from uh, do it from grillyourassoff.com. Use the promo code Drinking Bros for 15% off. Crispy, uh, our boy Crispy. Uh, has his own seasoning on there. So uh, support Crispy. Support Grill Your Ass Off. Go to grillyourassoff.com. They have uh, cooking videos on YouTube, and they also have a sweet Instagram, which is like uh, meat porn is what we call it. Love the guys from Grill Your Ass Off. Uh, the best in the biz. Again, Drinking Bros, promo code 15% off. Next up, we've got grenadesoap.com. Incoming! Oh, it's a little grenade soap coming up top. Coming up top over the top shelf. Um, it's made with real gunpowder, so you know it's good. A lot of people called me on my bluff. They were like, hey, man, I bought the grenade soap. You were not lying. There's actual gunpowder in it. And I was like, dude, I wasn't fucking kidding. Uh, grenade soap's the jam, man. They've got a bunch of fucking cool, like, manly bathing products that we all use, which is awesome. Uh, the grenade soap is, is it's the best. Um, uh, it comes on a, a nice, a nice little metal key ring, like a soap on a rope, so you can put that anywhere you want. And they also got the old taint scrubber. Yep, they got the shit mitten in there. That is no lie, dude. Uh, if you're out there at home and you're like, eh, I listened to that, that episode about the shit mitten, go to, go to grenadesoap.com. They have one. It's a little taint scrubber, and it's got a smiley face on it. I don't know if they did that for the drinking bros, the smiley face, but it's up and at them. Check out all their products on grenadesoap.com. Uh, another veteran-owned company that's uh, just making manly shit for dudes in the bath, in the shower. Uh, go to GrenadeSoap.com. Use the promo code DRINKINGBROS for 20% off. Big fan of those guys. Last but not least, talking about the Caillou app. That's K-A-Y-U. Caillou was the ones who put on our show in uh, Fort Bragg. They sponsored the show. They hooked us up with Tito's. Uh, Michael Squires and the boys were, were super amped that you had us and, uh, and let us come and fuck that place up. Um, we really, really enjoyed it and, uh, can't thank those guys enough. It's a new social media app, uh, with Facebook going out of flames. Everybody's looking for the next thing. Could this be it? Check it out for yourself. Uh, it's a free download on iTunes, um, or Android. So if you got an Apple, uh, or you got an Android, it's free. No, no strings attached. That's it. Free. Uh, you can look up people. You can meet up for travel, lodging, split concert fees, uh, split split travel fees, split let lodging. It's kind of like Airbnb and uh, and Facebook all in one. And uh, and you the people are rated, so you get to see who they are and uh, and what they're all about, uh, which is real nice. It's almost like a Tinder, almost like Tinder. Uh, go to go to the Caillou app, download it for free, no strings attached. Now, without further ado, here is. Our very special interview with head coach Bobby Knights. All right, uh, Coach Knight, I appreciate you being on the show. This is an unbelievable honor for me. Well, you must uh, have not had many honors in the past. No, no. <laughs> real lowbrow show. Real, real lowbrow show. Uh, <laughs> You're a, st you're a step up for us, so it's great. 
I'm it's, just happy to be here. <laughs> um, I'd like to to start from the beginning. Um, you don't do many interviews, and we're we're grateful to have you. But uh, I, I don't I don't hear too many people ask you about your life and where where you're from originally and and how you got started in basketball. You know, I might have forgotten. <laughs> it was that long ago. I'm not sure I remember. <laughs> where, where'd you grow up? <clears throat> I grew up in a small town in Ohio. Uh, What's the name of it? I went to Ohio State. Well, I did too, but this was Orville, which is the home of Smucker's Preserves. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that's where, uh, that's where I grew up. I went all the way through high school there and then went to Columbus uh, and played basketball at Ohio State. And then uh, from Columbus, I came back to, uh, actually came back to Cuyahoga Falls up in Akron. Sure. Where I taught school the first year I was out of college. And uh, I had a really interesting thing. I think every once in a while in life, something comes up that... uh, either was unexpected or that you kind of fell into or whatever. A friend of mine who's still a a very close friend of mine named Bob Fee, who lives in Uniontown, Pennsylvania, he was teaching at Cuyahoga Falls when I came there. Okay. And so we got into the uh, basketball season, and and, uh, he and I went down to Louisville to see uh, Louisville was playing Loyola of Chicago. And no, it was Cincinnati. It was Cincinnati playing Loyola of Chicago because when I was at Ohio State, we won the national championship when we were sophomores. Right. And then the next two years, Cincinnati beat us in the national championship game. Oh, boy. So we went down to Louisville to root for Loyola of Chicago. <laughs> it was Cincinnati. And I happened to be ran into uh, Coach Taylor while we were down there. It was uh, our coach at Ohio State, and he was just there to see the games. And we happened to run into each other, and we were standing in the hallway there talking. And uh, he was kind of talking about what I wanted to do, and, and did I want to stay at the falls or move or what. And anyhow, this guy walked up. His name was George Hunter. Yeah, Coach Taylor introduced me to him, and this is probably, uh, I could never have fallen into anything uh, that, that wound up being better than this. Hunter was the head coach at West Point. Sure. And, and uh, uh, Coach Taylor introduced me to him, and they were talking back and forth a little bit. And uh, Mr. Hunter said to Coach Taylor, you know, if this kid's ever uh, going to be in the military, uh, you let me know and I'll bring him to West Point. Really? And he can help me coach the freshman team there. And I'm just standing. I don't even have a girlfriend. You know, <laughs> and I'm just standing there not thinking what my next step is going to be or anything. But uh, probably was the most important thing that I ever said about going somewhere or doing something because I said, well, Coach Hunter, uh, what, if, what if I would uh, what if I would just come to uh, I'd volunteer for the draft and come to West Point? And he was, you know, kind of 
thought, what's wrong with this kid? You sure. Know, was he yeah, yeah. At me? And he said, well, he said, now you'll have to go through basic training. But if you want to do that, then uh, I will bring you to West Point and you can help coach our freshman team. That's crazy. That's what you did. You went through basic training. And, and I think that, uh, you know, this was at a time when, when everything was quiet and we weren't involved with a lot of things and so forth. And, and uh, going, to, uh, uh, going to West Point was, you know, not a... Uh, but it, we, we talked, and, and I said, as we were talking, I said, well, what if I would, uh, what if I'd go into the draft? And I wasn't married, didn't even have a girlfriend. Right. And so I was looking for something to do, really. And, and instead of. And how old were you at this point? Well, I'd have been, I think, 22, 22 maybe. Yeah. 20, yeah, 22, I think, and it was my first year teaching at Cuyahoga Falls, and so I brought that up, and, and uh, he looked at me, I think, like I was a little bit crazy, and he said, well, now, if you want to do that, I'll bring you to West Point, and you can help coach our freshman team, but now you'll have to go through basic training. So I went to Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri, and uh, I went through the protocol and everything, and the third day that I was there, in the Army, I was officially in the Army, uh, I get called out of formation to come see the sergeant. His name, and, and uh, you know, I had no idea what it was. And so I get in line. There were two guys in front of me, and he chewed each of them out for one thing or another. And I'm trying to think, well, what did I do? <laughs> what, what, <laughs> right. what am I here? And what? So he starts in and, and he has a little card with names on it. And I'd never forget. He said, night, night, night. I've been in this man's army for 34 years now. And I got to pick up. I got to get busy with a damn baseball player. Well, I had played freshman baseball at Ohio State, and, and when you went in the Army, you had to put down all your athletic background and everything. Sure. And I had happened to write that in, that I'd played freshman baseball. Havlicek and I played freshman baseball at Ohio State along with basketball. And so as it, as it went, the uh, regimental commander uh, of the regiment that I was in was a sports fanatic. And, and everybody that came along that could be on one of his teams was something important to him. So this sergeant sent me to, uh, to uh, Building 904 to meet with Sergeant Yanchek. I had no idea. I didn't know where Building 904 was. Right. And so anyhow, I get there, and uh, this sergeant explains to me, uh, what I'm going to be, and I'm going to now uh, be in the um, in the process of of playing on the basketball team and the baseball team in this in this colonel's regiment, and so that's that's where I 
wound up. I'm, I'm playing uh, basketball and baseball. You had to have been the best there, right? Well, yeah. I mean, it was amazing. I'm in the Army, but all I'm doing is playing ball. <laughs> and, and, you know, I eventually told people I was the less trained soldier in the history of the United States Army. <laughs> because I just, first of all, I played, I played baseball. I had to try out for it uh, in the regiment. And uh, I'd asked them what they needed. And, and uh, they said, well... Uh, we need a shortstop or a third baseman. And I thought, well, I might as well go full tilt. I said, well, I can play either one of them better than any one you've got. <laughs> because as I went through college in all those years, I played fast pitch softball every summer. Okay. And that is a very, very uh, uh, tough, you know, short basis. You yeah, know, and the ball's like, coming in about 90 uh, yeah, miles an hour. Yeah, and the ball is coming in hard. And so anyhow, I had... Uh, a good feel for it, and then I got a tryout, and from the tryout, I became the first baseman on the regimental baseball team, and so that's what I started to do going into the Army as the first baseman on this particular guy's baseball team. And I bet you were lighting it up. Well, yeah, I mean, I I had played really well right up until I went in the Army in a really upper echelon fastball softball league sure and uh so it wasn't uh you know i went in and and i could play and all of us i became the first baseman and then uh it just uh moved on a little bit <coughs> from there and when i was there at uh, louisville to uh, hope that loyal of chicago won this fellow george hunter came up and he and coach taylor were talking and Mr. Hunter said, well, now, if this kid's ever going to be in the uh, military, you call me, and I'll bring him to West Point, and he can help coach our freshman team. So that's why I went into the Army yeah. to get called to West Point. And he thought, uh, it's almost like, well, if he's dumb enough to do this, we'll bring you know, that yeah. kind of a deal. So anyhow, I wind up, and he was, uh, uh, when I got out of basic training, I think I had a two months off or something like that before I had to report to Fort Lent, uh, that I had to report to uh, West Point. Well, in the meantime, the guy that was the uh, uh, guy that, that I was going to get there because of, who was the head coach, uh, Mr. Hunter, uh, he left the job. So now I, get, I was, again, kind of out in the open, right. not knowing... You know, I'm in the army, but what am I going to do? It's almost fate. I mean, well, it, when uh, but I had to report to West Point, and uh, it had been all set up. Hunter had taken care of it uh, as he said he would, and I came in and, and uh, wound up being the assistant coach on the basketball team and coaching the freshman team. That was really the first coaching I did. And how long were you the assistant before you became the head coach? Well, just two years because our head coach uh, uh, got an offer to go to Miami of Ohio uh, as an assistant coach for, I think it was two years, and then become the head coach. And uh, that was not easy because we had a really good team. And we had a kid named Mike Silliman and unfortunately got hurt. But he was as good as anybody there was in that era playing college basketball. Right. 
And so we've had these two good years, and, uh, you know, we're going to have another one. Uh, we'd beat Navy easily. Of course, that's the biggest thing in the world when you're talking about of Army, Navy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we were coming back, and we had gotten some kids, had recruited well, and gotten some kids. The recruiting to West Point was not easy. You know, you'd walk in, and uh, you're, you're going to talk to mom about Junior coming to the Army. <laughs> that wasn't easy. No. Mom wasn't really shot in the ass on that one. No, it's, yeah. it's still not no, easy today. <laughs> no, uh, no it, it was not easy. It was a tough, it was a tough thing uh, to, to recruit, you know, and, and uh, all I could do was, was talk about the background and, and what you would have. I think the commitment was two years, and I said you would have a great military commitment and be able to go on to college and it would be a, so that's basically how we recruited and that's how I got there and and uh, George Hunter had been the head coach and I and he had left and Taylor Locke was the name of the guy who took his place okay and I was his assistant as we went along and here we're going to have this really good team and uh, he got this offer from Miami of Ohio to come as an assistant coach, I think it was for two years, and then take over the head coach. And uh, one afternoon, I said, that's ridiculous. I said, you've already had two good years, and we're going to have a third good year. And at the end of that third year, you can get any job in the country that you want that's open, but he and I kind of disagreed on that. We almost got in. Yeah, I don't know why you would go to Miami of Ohio. <clears throat> well, I, I don't know either. I think that he had, uh, I think he had gone there as uh, a student and I think tried out for the basketball team but didn't make it, mm. something like that, that, you know, he felt, I guess, that he had something to prove or whatever, but he didn't. We, we had a... Uh, uh, a situation where, you know, we're going to be good. Right. And it's going to be the third straight year we've been good. So now when jobs start opening up here, there, and everywhere, this is when uh, he could have gone anywhere he wanted to. Well, <clears throat> he left to go to go to uh, uh, Miami of Ohio, and and uh, that left me there. And the, uh, the colonel that was there, uh, who became, who I became very close to, uh, gave me the head coaching job. And I was really kind of surprised. And how old are you at this point, 24? <clears throat> I'd have been uh, maybe 23, 24 at the most. Was there a head coach in, in NCAA basketball that was that young? Oh, no, when, I, when I became the head coach, I was the youngest coach in college basketball. Man. Because uh, that would not happen today at all. Uh, you would never let a 23-year-old, 24-year-old coach today. No, well, <clears throat> Ray Murphy, uh, apparently he had paid attention to what I did with recruiting and coaching the freshman team and whatnot because uh, when Tate's left, uh, there, just, there were two other guys there along with Ray Murphy that were all uh, – uh, long-time colonels in the Army. And, uh, you know, there were a lot of people that wanted to know why 
I was going to become the head coach, you know, can't we go out and get whatever? Murphy wouldn't have anything to do with it. He just simply said, that's our coach, period. I don't want to hear anymore. Right. And so that was great for me. Yeah, that's amazing. That's how I got started. And you were walking into a stacked team at this point. That's a, that's a pretty decent team. Well, yeah. I mean, it was, it was a team that was going to win games. Yeah. And, and we had good things going, and, and uh, it worked well for us. And, and uh, we went along in the, <coughs> the season, and then I, a, a difficulty arose. Uh, I, had a, I had an opportunity uh, to go to a major college then, uh, and I've forgotten now, it was in, uh, oh, I'd have to think which one it was now, but it was a major college that, that had, had offered me the job. And so I'm thinking this as opposed to West Point. Sure. It was idiotic not to take, not to take, the, not to take the job because here you've got a chance in recruiting. Right. And a good background, and and a, and a place. It was, I think, it was the University of Florida, that, okay. that had offered me that job. It was either Florida or Florida State, but I think it was Florida. And and somehow during that first year, uh, this particular uh, fella had apparently paid attention to what all was going on, and and I I guess I had gotten some recommendations. Uh, uh, from these guys as far as this fellow from Florida was concerned. And so it was probably uh, one of the best things that, uh, that ever happened to me and something that I was really pleased with because uh, I came back and I told Colonel Murphy, I said, uh, you know, I, Colonel, I really appreciate you for having me been the head coach this past year and uh you know kind of i was a little bit uh you know is this the right thing to do or what i'm I'm thinking you know and but this this job at florida is going to put you in a position uh much further uh in basketball than from the service academy. Right. You're just going to have better players, yeah. period. Although <laughs> I, had some, I had some damn good players. Or, and, but anyhow, the recruiting was going to be much easier. And, and so I told him that um, I really appreciate everything that you've done for me and, and just wanted to tell you, though, that uh, I've got a chance to go to Florida and I'm, I'm going to do that. And he really didn't say anything, you know. He didn't. He didn't try to give you the big pitch or the big no, sell to, to keep you. Anything. And so, and I'm I'm really, uh, you know, every once in a while you get proud of something that you've done here or there or whatever. And so, I went back and uh, and I got to thinking, and and uh, where I was staying and you know what's right and what's wrong and you know I'd call people that I really trusted and wanted their opinion and as most people are it was like well you got to figure that out yourself you know and I would say well that's why the hell I called you (laughs) you're smarter than I am (laughs) I want to know what you think so I went through that for two days Saturday and Sunday and I got one of life's greatest lessons greatest lessons I went to 
see Colonel Murphy early in the morning. He was sitting just like you are at his desk. And I stood in front of him, and I'd given all this thought, you know, and, and uh, you know, what I'd hear would be, uh, well, you have to do what you think is right. I'd say, well, God damn it, what do you think is right? <laughs> what do you think about this situation? You know, I wanted to know how other people felt. You wanted some guidance, yeah. And, and, uh, and you know, a lot of it was, uh, well, you've got a great situation now. You know, you're started. Uh, you're, you're coaching at West Point. You, and so anyhow, I stood in front of him, and he'll never forget this one of one of the greatest lessons I ever got, lesson on humility. He was sitting at his desk and, and didn't raise his head. And then when, when I said, uh, well, Colonel Murphy, I, I, I want you to know that I, and he's talking like this. I said, I want you to know that I've decided to stay with you. And I've waited. Uh, I, I just kind of got out of the way because he was going to jump over the table and grab me and hug me and pat me on the back and everything. And yeah. I'm waiting for that. But, but all that happened was he looked up at me and said, I knew you'd stay. <laughs> and I was just dumbfounded, you know. Yeah. And, but it was great because I stayed. When I became the head coach, I was the youngest head coach in the country at that time. And then, then, uh, I had a great opportunity in uh, so far as, as working at recruiting that was difficult. You know, you're not coming to Ohio State sure. or Indiana or someplace. You're coming to West Point. And so you're going to have a military obligation. And so all of those kids that I recruited, and, and they were uh, Joe Lapchick was one of the great people in college basketball at that time. He had been the coach at St. John's. and Claire B. was another one who had been the coach at, at LIU, Long Island University. And they were probably in that era and maybe of all time, the two best coaches in basketball history were these two guys. And they did more to develop the game in terms of how you play and how you play defense and what you do on offense. And, I became very close to both of them, and and uh, they uh, they weren't very helpful. They said, "Well, you got to do what you think." I said, "No, I want to know what the hell you think." Right, right, right. <laughs> so we went back and forth with that a little bit, and then uh, all of a sudden, I was the head coach, and uh, I think that. Uh, I retained that position for, it was either six or seven years. Right. And, and did you have a lot of success? Yeah, we won a lot of games. We were, uh, we never, we always uh, talk about when I, I talk to the military, uh, as I like to, you know, anytime I'm speaking to the military and, and uh, we talk a little bit about my coaching history at West Point, and I always wind it up by saying, as far as you Naval Academy people are concerned, we beat your ass every time we played you. <laughs> so the Army-Navy game was big. Yeah, I'm sure. And so I, we, we worked hard at recruiting. I, I had uh, some great players. I mean, just really, really good. And, and they were, you know, it wasn't like 
we had had to find, we had some great players. And, and these kids were really, really good. And, and we went a long way with those kids. We won, I think we won more than 20 games every year. And when, when, when Indiana called, um, was there any other schools? Like, did, did Ohio State ever call you to say, hey, will you come back and coach your alma mater? Yeah, but, but uh, I really wasn't interested in it. Uh, really? No. Uh, did, did you have a, a good time in Columbus? Oh, or? yeah. Yeah, I, I enjoyed Columbus, and, and I didn't think much, much about it. And, and this situation for me at West Point at my age was incredibly good. Sure. You know, I'm 22 years old and I'm a head coach at a major institution. And so now when that left and, and what came up was uh, at that point, uh, I got a call uh, from a guy named Bill Orwig, who was the athletic director at Indiana. He himself had been an excellent player at Michigan and had been a Big Ten guy right. for many, many years. And uh, uh, he asked me if I would be interested in talking to him about the job at Indiana. And I told him that I said, yes, I would be. And he asked me to come uh, to, uh, to Indianapolis, which I did. And, and uh, we talked it over. And I really liked what he had to say, and I really liked the way he wanted things done, and and what what all was available to me in doing so, and so for those years that I was with him, I really really enjoyed it, and I learned an awful lot just being with him. And then I would still, at that point, uh, I would spend time talking to uh, my coach when I had a chance, but see, it was a tough thing for me because he was still in the Big Ten when I came to Indiana. So now we had to play Indiana against my former coach, and that was not a... That was not an easy thing. Was it friendly at all? No, yeah. We, I mean, he was always he was very good to me, and I tried to help him. But you, you know, you've got somebody like that. You're not happy that you beat him, right? But you want to beat him, but you're not happy that you did. And so, that that went on uh, for those I don't know six or seven years uh, that. Uh, that I was coaching there. And was there other offers on the table at the time the oh, Indiana yeah, job came around? Oh, yeah, there were all kinds of places to go to and people calling. And I wasn't interested in in going here and going there and going someplace else. I really appreciated the opportunity. The one, the one mistake that I made was, well, you asked me about this, but the one mistake I made was Havlicek, John called me, uh, that the people in in, Blooming, or in, in uh, Columbus had asked him to ask me uh, who I thought would be a good person for them to hire at Ohio State. And, and John said, uh, he said, I think what they want to know is if you would come back to Ohio State. Right. And things were, uh, things were made a little bit of a, change with a couple people that had retired and 
couple people came in that I didn't particularly care for or whatever. And I came very much on the on 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 almost uh well I told John I said maybe it's time I come to Columbus. And he immediately said <clears throat> if you'll come if you'll come to Columbus, I'll pick you up in the morning and we'll go see the president. And I think it was Novice Fawcett was still the president then. Okay. And he was a guy that I knew anyhow and had gotten along with him well for a young guy and this as the presidency. And, and so I told John that. I said, and then, you know, I got a little bit, it was a mistake, I got a little bit uh, thinking, boy, I've really enjoyed it here and I've really enjoyed the people and one thing and another. And, and uh, I told John, I said, you know, I'd love to go to Ohio State, but I've got such good players here and such. And so I ended up, uh, I ended up not going. That was the closest. I didn't, I had all kinds of offers to go where the pros, wherever. Uh, uh, Red Auerbach, uh, I became very, very close to Red Auerbach. But I just told him, I said, Coach, I don't have any interest. In, in coaching in the NBA, which I didn't. I didn't have any interest in it. But Did he want you to be one of his assistants? I think that uh, I think he had it set up that I would be the head coach. Really? At uh, whatever year this was or whenever. And uh, but just getting to know him uh, and and have him as a friend. We, uh, we were in Madison Square Garden, and uh, uh, I. I, I happened to walk in. You get lost in the garden. Sure. And all kinds of tunnels and one thing and another that the, come out of the locker rooms and whatever. And So I had opened the door. Here's this big room, almost like this, nobody in it. And so I started to shut the door, and the door at the other end opened, and a guy walked in. And I was petrified when I saw who it was. I mean, I wanted to get out of there, but I said, no, and I, and I was really, so anyhow, the guy came right up to me, stood in front of me, and he said, son, my name's Red Auerbach. And I looked at him, I said, damn, coach, I'm not that dumb, I know who you are. <laughs> and so... That became the, the that was the beginning of a great friendship that I had with Red. Was he smoking a cigar? Not at that point, I don't think. I have been with him when he was, but not not at that point. I didn't but, know if he was walking around the garden just smoking cigars like he. But he, uh, I became. Uh, uh, Havlicek once told me he said, "I don't know how you did it." But I don't think there's anybody Red likes better than you. He said, I don't know what you did to deserve <laughs> it. So, but that was one of those great things. I, I thoroughly enjoyed uh, a relationship with different people, and Red was certainly one of them. Was it important for you to stay uh, at one place for a long period of time? Is that why you stayed at it? Well, so I think so. I, I think that why, why do I want to leave? And, and there were people there that I really liked. You know, and, and the, Bloomington was a great college town. My wife and I really liked it. Karen liked it, and she had a lot of friends there. And 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 uh, it, it, and we were getting players. I mean, I, I only had to go to Indianapolis to get players that could play. Yeah, you were killing us every year, every year at Ohio State. 
Um, yeah, I don't yeah. think we ever lost. No, I I, and, I can't remember it. Um, and uh, oh, I'm sure they must have won somewhere along the way because it, you're, yeah, you're very rarely. To, yeah, you're bound to lose here and there, but we didn't lose many. No. And so I'm there. I'm there thinking, at that time, that this is going. You know, this is a great situation. We've got a great team set, and we've got probably four kids here, there, and wherever that are going to come next year. And that's how we recruited. And it was a sorry state of affairs because I just think there were some very selfish people at Indiana that just couldn't grasp the fact that the basketball team was the most popular thing in the state. And, and that, that, that the guiding light for Indiana University at that time was the basketball program. And so they got up uh, involved with a lot of ridiculous crap and, and uh, decided that they didn't want me to coach anymore. Yeah. So I've... Because I, 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 I look back on that, and there's obviously that 30 for 30 that's coming out. I don't know if you were involved in it for ESPN. Um, but, you know, the the way that you were ousted out of there was, uh, at least as a fan, we, we all we all looked at it. Because uh, even though I went to the, a Big Ten school, well, it everybody, a, we were always rooting for I, Bobby Knight. You, know, you were our it, favorite coach. If it would have been something that I understood, it would be different. But that's all it was. They brought in some asshole that, that uh, yeah, do I need to explain that to anybody? <laughs> just go ahead. We can go ahead with that. And, and uh, it, was, it was just a, a situation where there were people that when Indiana University came up, the first thing anybody talked about was basketball. But, well, we never lost. And, and every kid graduated. And, and uh, there wasn't anything wrong with that, except there were three or four people that couldn't deal with that. Right. And my, uh, my fault was, and I could sense that, but my, it was my fault uh, not just calling John back and saying, hey, I'll meet you in Columbus tomorrow. Uh, that, by the way, when that all went down, that was the rumor around Ohio State, because I was, I was at school then, that you were, you were potentially going to come back and coach. Well, they, they had asked me a couple of times, but this one time with John, when they, you know, he and I were very close, and when, when he called me, it was that they had asked him to see if I would be willing to come. And, and I almost did. I, you know, I liked the people there. Right. And, and I, uh, uh, I just spoke at uh, a couple of things in Indiana in the last week. And, and, and I always handle it this way. I said, I want you to know something that I have never enjoyed people more than when I was coaching at Indiana and the people in the state of Indiana. And I said, now, quite frankly, my dear, I just don't give a shit about Indiana University. <laughs> but as far as the population of the state is concerned, you have a great fan in me. And I, I feel badly that it went that way. Yeah. And it shouldn't have gone that way. But people obviously just couldn't deal with the fact that when people talked about the university, what they wanted to know about was basketball. Yeah. Um, do, you, do you ever see a, a scenario in which you'll go back for, for a game? No. Uh, never. Completely done with that. 
Uh, this is a stone cold look I'm getting for an audio show. The, the, the folks can't see this it, at home, but I yeah, think yeah. A, I think it was a stone cold dumb question. That yeah. <laughs> I didn't know how else I could respond. Like I say, it's not a highbrow show. This it's not a is as smart as I think he is. <laughs> I, I put on a good front. Um, last question: uh, Did you hear about the allegations with uh, Sean Miller last night in, in Arizona? With that the, was just, uh, yeah, what was that? Uh, the FBI caught him on a wiretap of, of paying a, a player $100,000. You know. That never would have happened in your day or Well, era. it would have never happened with me, but I'm sure it happened with other coaches. A lot. I, I think that as I went through coaching uh, there, when, when I would come in, you're, you're a kid that I want to recruit. You know, I've seen you play. I think you can play for us. But the first thing I would do when I came into your home uh, was talk to your mother and father. And I would say, now, the first thing you have to understand about my situation at Indiana is this. Uh, we will be responsible for your son's room, board, book, tuition, and funds, period. Now, apparently, that's not what's happened in the last few years. They got these assistant coaches or whatever coaches uh, basically trying to buy kids. Yes. You know, we'll offer you, the, and that's what's happened in this circumstance you just brought up. I, I think that it got leaked out what happened, and they'll be in, in – uh, in, in in deep water over this one. Yeah, and it was odd timing. It was around midnight last night when the story broke, and uh, you know Ohio State had just beaten Indiana in double overtime. Um, <laughs> just thought I'd get that one jab in there. But when it when it broke, I was like, Oh, that I, wasn't I can't a believe jab because we beat your ass every time. We <laughs> you did. You, you did. Want, you want to take a you want to take a list of all the times we beat Indiana? I'd be glad to show it. To you. <laughs> Well, look, you're one of my favorite people on the planet, and uh, I, in my opinion, you're the greatest college coach uh, that's ever done it, um, and, and I can't thank you enough for, for being Well, on the I show. appreciate that, but the thing that I appreciated the most was I think we did it the right way. The players graduated, and, and, and they had something out of it other than having played basketball, and uh, we did it without any rules violations. And, and, and uh, in fact, uh, I'm pretty much responsible for the library at Indiana and, 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 it's, and it being built. So, you know, I've just had always been, uh, you know, felt badly about the circumstances there. But, you know, life goes on. Sure. And, and, and uh, so I, my wife is uh, the best person I've ever known. And, and I have just been very, very grateful uh, to have this lady as a, uh, as a wife. I've had about a dozen different offers to give her to somebody. <laughs> but, but I've hung on to it. You know, it's just not, no chance. But anyhow, you know, we, we all go through different things. I mean, you, know, you think about uh, somebody that lost a son in Vietnam or, or whatever. You know, everybody has to go through uh, some hardships. And, and uh, I will just always appreciate the, uh, the opportunities that I've had. And uh, kind of enjoying life now, watching things going around the clock. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, look, I, I sincerely can't thank you enough for being on. And uh, you're, you're a hell of a coach and a great man. Thank you very much. 